shoulder to shoulder with Jesus. Watch him hang from the cross. Then celebrate his resurrection. This is Reading the Bible Together, Holy Week. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Angela Smith. We are in our series on Holy Week, and today is Monday, Thursday, and we are talking about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And I am very pleased to welcome my very own pastor, Pastor Sean Winters. Welcome, Sean. Thank you, Angela. It's good to be here, and I'm just uh, honored to be a part of this. So what's really fun is just yesterday, you actually preached a sermon on this. I did. And uh, while we're listening to this now on Thursday, it, it was just yesterday, and and it was one of my um, favorite pieces of this week. You know, we're, we're talking about talking, walking shoulder to shoulder with Jesus and kind of going through this experience with him. Um, this is a significant piece, and I think it's very accessible to us. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very practical. Um, and yet it's, it's, it's also uh, revealing of the deep anguish that Jesus felt in this Holy Week. Yeah, so let's talk about it. He's, he's in the garden. He's had the Last Supper, or he's celebrated Passover with his yeah. disciples. Judas has left yeah. to go and betray him. And so now this is that in-between time. Yeah. There's a lot going on there. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, he had called out Judas. Judas left. He had said, hey, Peter, um, you know, Satan came and asked me to sift you. And so there's these deep conversations that says what we need to do, the need of the moment when Jesus knew what was coming next was to spend time with his father. Mm-hmm. And so he did as he usually did, went to uh, the Mount of Olives, the Garden of Gethsemane, and invited the disciples to pray with him. And we see Jesus not only just kind of praying with them, but Jesus on his own, deeply anguished and needing to meet with his father. Something that really stands out to me in this too is that he, and I think it's because I have a bent to not do this, is that he's asking for what he wants and he does it three times. Yeah. And three times he asks and three times he surrenders. Right. It, it, it's just remarkable when we when we pause. We can become so familiar with the story that we we kind of forget the details of it. And you're exactly right. So we see in this a pattern of Jesus wrestling with God the Father. So he's coming and he's saying, hey, if there's any other way, you know, can this cup pass from me? Um, is there any other way, Lord? I, he understands the big redemption story and where this fits in it. But he is. He, he's, he's advocating <laughs> with the Father like, like man, there's got to be a different way. Is there any other way? Because this... Have we thought of everything? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and yet right on... Right on cue with that, and and I don't think it's probably quick, but it's it's a part of his posture before God is to say, "Not my will, but thine be done." Mm. And so, as we walk with Christ, we yeah, we, we get permission to to say, "Hey, we can wrestle," right? Like there's mm-hmm. times we all wrestle, mm-hmm. and, and yet he has this this attitude or this posture of surrender as well. A few years ago, I did a Passover Seder, which was the first time I had done it and didn't know anything about the, the four different cups and, you know, all the symbolism and what everything means. And and once I did that and then came into the garden and yeah. Jesus talking about take this cup from right. me, that it's the cup that he had just been, they had just been talking about right. at Passover, the, the cup of salvation, which is all the suffering being put on him. And like you said, I think it's really easy to wash over that yeah. because we're so familiar and because it's painful. And so I don't 
at least for me, that's not my natural bend is to to go into pain. Right. And, and, and to realize you're exactly right with that cup and all that it symbolizes, it, it isn't that Jesus lacked courage. Um, it isn't that it was just about the physical pain that was coming, although it was excruciating, the scorn, the beating, uh, the crucifixion, but it was it was the whole of what's captured in that cup. It's it's the coming under the judgment of God. It's to say he who was without sin took on sin. We that can't get things right, all of our mistakes are put on on Jesus. And he knows that. He says, this is what's coming. It's, it's not only going to be physically, mentally, emotionally, but it is, it is a profound weight because the judgment that the whole world deserves will come upon me. And that's just that's something that's hard to fathom. But it, but then it makes sense that he says, is there any other way? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like can, can we come up with a plan B? Because this sounds over o- over the top. I, I, can't, I can't imagine. Well, and to think, too, that when he comes back, because he comes back to, to the disciples yeah. that he brought with him, and they're sleeping. They're sleeping. And, you know, he <laughs> tells them, you know, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Yeah, isn't that interesting? It's just such a great statement and, and to find out where that lands. Because I think a lot of people use that phrase, you know, spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Um, but it finds its meaning in this garden. And Jesus looks at his disciples. He gives them credit. So the spirit is willing. Like, like I think you have good hearts. But the flesh, somehow you're just not getting it done. You fell asleep. Um, you don't understand the, the depth of the struggle here. And... You know, we, we can get critical of the disciples, and yet it's also real that we find ourselves in the disciples. Mm-hmm. You know, that that sometimes prayer wears us out. Sometimes the weight of all of the stress wears us out. And it's not a bad thing to sleep, but Jesus said, man, we need to pray. We need What we need in that hour is to meet our Father. Well, and I think a good example of that spirit is willing and the flesh is weak is Peter. There you go. When when Jesus said to him, you're going to deny me. And I also think it's really interesting that Satan came to him and said, what is it? What's the... Yeah. Can I sift you? Yes. Can I sift them? Yeah. Yeah. I don't... I had missed that many, (laughs) many times before, but um, that that they will be tested and how Peter, you know, I Lord, I would never... Yeah. I got this. Yeah. And then he does. And actually, I remember in your sermon when you you were preaching on Peter's denial of Jesus and you told the story about... Little League and how yeah. your mom, I won't say what your nickname is on the podcast. It was Bugs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> how she yelled out, go yeah. Bugs. Yeah. And you were like, is that your mom? Right. And how I denied e- my mom. Yeah. And how easy it is to do that. And so oh. to your point about how easy it is for us, that, that how we can flesh. identify with the, yeah. with the disciples. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Our flesh is weak and... You know, we, we try to hide that as best we can. And, and in our honesty, though, we don't deny it. Mm-hmm. We say, you know what, I'm just, I don't live up to my own expectations. And then we, we sometimes are afraid of the church because we think, well, there are even higher expectations there. Or God, you know, what, what expectations does he have for me? But here's the wonder of the story of Easter is that, it, is that Jesus sees his disciples. He sees us as we truly are. Mm-hmm. And he still steps in. And he still loves, and he still paid the price. And then he leaves this amazing example of, you know, we, we can wrestle with God in prayer, and yet somehow the place we ought to be is a place of surrender, 
not my will, but thine be done. And that's just so stirring to me. Sometimes I've, I've entered that, you know, that, that challenging time with God in prayer where I was ready to, to just say, hey, not my will, but thine. Like, God, you figure this out. And other times I, I had a pretty good idea how I wanted it to land. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't so sure I wanted to say not my will, but thine because, because I just, I was pretty impressed with my plan. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like yeah, yeah. It's good. Lord, Lord, it's good. Like I just, just yeah. sign off. No, don't, don't mess with it. Just like sign off with it. I'm good. That's yeah. right. I think mm-hmm. about dating relationships as I talk to young people and I think about my own life, like, Lord, I, I want to hold this with open hand, but I really want this to work out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah it's, but, but that posture of saying, Hey Lord is, you know, I want to hear from you. And, and I think that's an important point about prayer too, is that yeah. prayer is a conversation. You said this yesterday, prayer is a conversation. Yeah. So it's not only us speaking, but it's us. It's us stilling ourselves long enough yeah. to listen yeah. to what he's saying to us. You know, we're, this is Monday Thursday, and so we're we're sitting here on a Thursday, and wherever our listeners might be today, yeah, it's a great challenge just to just to quiet your hearts, be still, and and then just say, God, what what direction are you leading? You know, I want to know. I want to hear. Now, one author said we we have a tendency to bow our heads, close our eyes, and let our minds wander. Mm. You know, but but it's saying, it, it's not a, so much bowing the head and closing the eyes. It's it's to say, I want to be still and I want to hear. I want to be in your presence, God. And I have an open heart. Well, and what I was thinking about when you said that quote, instead of wandering, yeah, wonder. Huh. Like go into a, a posture of wonder yeah. about who God is. And, That's right. And the... Uh, it sounds really trite to say that his plan is better, especially when you're in the midst of a hard time. Yeah. But just speaking from experience that and walking through hard times and getting to a place where I could see that his plan was better yeah. than it is. And I think that maybe that's why Jesus was able to endure what he endured. Yeah. Because isn't it in Hebrews that he... He endured because of, he endured yeah. the cross. Yeah, scorning its shame, and then he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Yeah. Yeah, we have a high priest. And and, and some would say probably the hardest work he did was in the garden. Mm-hmm. You know, and because of the work that he did in the garden, he was able to face the, the, the next, you know, 24 hours. The trial, the scorning, the beating, the crucifixion, because he had met with God and he had confirmed in his mind, this is the plan. So, you know, there's a number of things in that that, that says when we know the will of God, it doesn't mean that there's no more pain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is an entrance of pain. And just because we know the will of God doesn't mean that it's going to be easy or people are going to understand. Or but, that surrender is a one-time thing. Yeah, there you yeah. Because Jesus had the power to make it stop at any point along the way. Yeah. And he continued to surrender to the process of what was happening. Yeah, a great point. I mean, they said, hey, you could call down angels. Do it Mm -hmm. now. Call down angels. And, you know, he was committed to the plan. He was committed to the the redemption story that that God had foreordained and and that Christ had a key role in. So, So where we find ourselves in that, you know, how do we walk with Jesus on this Thursday, this Maundy Thursday? Um you know, it's to pause, I think, and and whatever it looks like to enter the garden mm-hmm. in in our minds and just say, I, I need to spend some time praying the prayer. You know, Jesus said, pray so you not fall into temptation. Okay, I'll, I'll hear that, listen to that. And then he said, this cup, 
man, Lord, you know what? What is that cup right now for for Angela, for Sean, and and our true desire, Lord? This cup, man, it can it pass from me? Be honest and engage in that. And and then you know how how, how then do you move from identifying that that cup of need, the cup of challenge, to this posture of surrender? But what does that look like for you? In my experience, it's been the, the continue. That's the thing that always comes back. It's it's the continuing. Like Jesus is living, ing. He's ongoing. Yeah. And that when I made my first dying to self and living for Christ, that that wasn't a one time thing. That it that it's a it's a continual. Mm. And surrender is contrary to my being, <laughs> my nature. <laughs> yes. That's right. Yes. And so. Every, I mean, sometimes even when I say the word surrender, it just makes me sweat. Yeah. Um, but remi- but I've walked with the Lord long enough now to have seen his faithfulness through things. Yeah. And having that history, kind of those Ebenezers, those remembrances, yeah. makes it a little bit easier to surrender because I know that I know that I know that he's good. And it's not feel good. It's a it's a deeper good. It's like Aslan. Is he yeah. is he safe? Yeah. No, but he's good. But he's good. Yeah. Yeah. And and surrender can sometimes feel like oh, that's not fair. Like mm-hmm. you know, I was mistreated and I'm supposed to surrender. I wasn't listened to and I'm supposed to surrender. And surrender has a lot of vulnerability. You know, there there's just this this reality that says I, I can't come with my own merits. I can't you know, deliver my own resume, or my mm-hmm. curriculum vitae. So here's here's all the things that should yeah, should impress you with surrender. It's coming with empty hands, saying, "Lord, I'm I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to walk in obedience to you, and I'm going to believe you." So and again, do the work to follow. Yeah, and do the work to know Him. Yeah, what you said was just so good that He is living, that He is ongoing, and. And it's a it's a process, and it's it's a it's a daily choice. You know, there's a, there's a significant point where we trust in Christ alone for our salvation, but but there's probably you know 47 decisions before that day, and there's like a like an unbelievable number after that day of mm-hmm. continually saying, "Jesus, I'm following you." Well, and surrounding yourself with people who are willing and who will love you well enough yeah. to tell you the truth. Of yeah. a situation. Like when I've gone through hard times, I've had people say, you know, look for God. You know, when I was going through a time of grief, yeah. they said, look for God because he's there. He might move in small ways. And if you're not looking for him, you might miss him. Yeah. And I was so grateful that they said that because then I could open my eyes and see what he was doing and I would have missed it. Yeah. Be- and just you might not always have been ready for that. Right. Right. Like you're like, no, I'm just, man, I, the grief is so heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but the, but you need those people in your life that'll encourage you, challenge you, and and even kind of maybe pick up the chin a little bit. Say, look, look ahead. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is there anything else about the Garden of Gethsemane you want to make sure that we talk about? You, you know, as we look at Maundy Thursday and all the events that took place on this day, you know, we, we need to see that Jesus saw what was coming, and he entered it voluntarily. Mm-hmm. That he chose to go to the garden where he would be vulnerable, where Judas would know where he's at, where they could arrest him quietly away from the crowds. But but he said, I need to go meet with my father. And so he went 
And by choice, by discipline, by intentionality, he said, what I need for the, this moment, what I need for this challenge, for this cup, is to spend time with, with God. I need to not just say a quick prayer and then get on with the rest of the agenda. I need to just rest in his presence. And so that would be my encouragement, that we would rest in his presence. And if that's foreign to you, that doesn't seem real comfortable. Um, you know, God doesn't ask for any prerequisites. He just says, come. If we draw near to him, he'll draw near to us. And it makes sense. It, it, it's natural for it to feel a little awkward yeah. in the beginning. Yeah, that's right. And and even for those who are listening or maybe seasoned believers, um, man, they, they've been walking with God a long time. You know, I, I would challenge you this Holy Week to just say, you know, have you spent time just quietly before God? That the need of your life, can you just bring it before God and with open hands say, not my will, but thine be done. And then pause and and be with your Father who loves you dearly. They're called spiritual practices because we have to practice them. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, there's no spiritual perfections. They're no. spiritual practices. Exactly. I love it. Thank you so much, Pastor Sean. This was I, this was really good. I'm going to I'm going to chew on this for a while. Thank you, Angela. I appreciate it. Appreciate what you're doing with this uh, with this study. It sounds great, and I'm looking forward to hearing it as well. Well, thank you for joining us for Reading the Bible Together podcast, this conversation about the Garden of Gethsemane. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes, and we will see you tomorrow. The Reading the Bible Together podcast is a production of Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Hosted, produced, and edited by Angela Smith. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, consider financially supporting Faith Radio. Find more information at MyFaithRadio.com.